you were going to like grab the bag and be like, look, guys. This is a podcast. They can't see me. I hasn't stopped you before. Hello, I'm Rachel. I'm Victoria. And I'm Farron. We've been friends and classmates since childhood with a common love for good books. Join us as we revisit the books from our literature class days, timeless reads, and everything in between. Let's go back to lit class. Welcome back to Back to Lit Class. We are excited for today's episode. We're doing The Bad Beginning by Lemony Snicket um, from his series of unfortunate events. And yeah, we're excited that you're here. How is everyone doing? I'm doing really well. I just put my baby down. So I was doing some nice relaxing time watching Naruto and that was nice. And then I fell asleep and then Dayton <laughs> woke me up right before I was supposed to record. And I was like, thank you. So good job. that's how it's going. I am doing good as well. Uh, just happy that the sun was out today. It definitely gave me a boost of energy to get some stuff done. Yeah, I got my boost of energy from all of the Girl Scout cookies that Victoria dropped off yesterday. I'm jealous. I'm eating so many of those. (laughs) How many of the three boxes do you have left? Oh, um, it's so embarrassing. (laughs) I'm not going to say. Anyways, let's do some announcements, everyone. Gather around. Announcement time. Our big announcement for today is to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. We are back to lit class there. And Victoria is absolutely killing it with all of the funny videos and posts and stories. So find us there. Yes. And now is a good time to get in on following us because... When we reach 100 followers on Instagram, which we are very close to doing, we are going to be doing a giveaway. So give us a follow and you'll be able to get in on that when we announce it. Yes, it's so fun. You guys are hilarious. (laughs) We try. All right. Victoria has all of our fun book facts and a summary for us for today's book. Go for it. Yes, I definitely stole this part from Farron. I don't think she cares. (laughs) I was just really uh, interested in kind of learning about or, or reading about Lemony Snicket today because the book is such a, a quirky book. So I figured he has to be a kind of quirky or interesting person. Um, he does seem very quirky. Mm hmm. So, Lemony Snicket is the pen name for the author Daniel Handler. His most notable works include A Series of Unfortunate Events, which was published between 1999 and 2006, and has a total of 13 books in the series. The books have been adapted into a film and a television series. Another of his more notable works is a four-part series titled All the Wrong Questions, which is a prequel to the series of Unfortunate Events. Oh, I did not know there was a prequel. I saw the like advertisements for that new series. Correctly, it's it's like based off of the narrator character. Lemony Snicket. Oh, so we find out about Beatrice? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure it's more is it more about like Beatrice and 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lemony Snicket. And yeah. So that I did not know was about the prequel, which is something I learned today. The book series is written for around ages 10 and up. The Bad Beginning is the book we're covering today, uh, the first of the series. And it's described as a dark comedy children's book. It's the first in the series that follows the Baudelaire children, Violet the oldest, Klaus the middle, and Sunny the baby. The story begins with their parents dying in a house fire and follows them through their tragic misfortune of having to go stay with their distant relative, Count Olaf, who is only after their family fortune. The book says from the very first line, if you are interested in stories with happy endings, you would be better off reading some other book. And it's very true. The Baudelaire children suffer some really sad and terrible circumstances throughout this book and the series in general. So it's not it's not a feel-good read at all. It's quirky though. Yeah. It it handles a lot, like I said, it handles a lot of the situations in a more fantastical, whimsical, quirky way. But, yeah, so it doesn't feel as depressing as, like, it would be just point blank. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I don't remember feeling, when I read them as, what were we, like, middle school, maybe, like, beginning of high school when we read these books. I don't remember feeling like they were really sad or, like, awful. Like, they were so interesting to me. I, I remember I could not wait for the next book to come out or for me to get the next book so that I could find out, like, what would happen? I think I only read through maybe book six or seven, and I never finished the series because they were giving me like anxiety. Oh, so maybe for you it was different. <laughs> I don't remember which one it was, but something happened, and I just it they made me really sad, and I remember getting like stomach aches, like nausea. <laughs> Oh, dang. So, but I think I did read them, like, when we were a little bit younger. I read them with my dad. I don't remember when I started, but I want to say around sixth grade, maybe. I think that was mine, too. And I read them with my dad, too. Yeah, we made it to 12 and a half. We got halfway through the 12th, and we're just like, like, we read them all the way until sophomore year of high school. And I remember just slowly losing interest in the books. They kept getting longer and longer and felt like they kept getting more convoluted. And I just honestly was getting a little bit bored of the characters. And I was, I, we just quit. I have more memory of books like one through like six, seven, eight than I do of the last. So probably we were like getting, we were kind of aging out of them. And that made a big difference. Yeah. I felt like, a, yeah, I was too old. For the series by the time that we were getting to them that we were finishing them up but uh, yeah I, I mostly remember the first three books stand out they stand out the most in my head and honestly i cannot remember almost anything about the last few i read i remember very like distinctly mrs b reading in sixth grade maybe it was seventh grade literature i can't remember it was remember. sixth grade because I was wasn't there. Okay. Yeah. I just remember the classroom and rereading the book. I remember, I can still hear the way she voiced Sunny the baby. 
I don't remember any of the other voices, but for some reason, the way she voiced Sunny the baby, like I can still hear it in my head when I was like rereading the book. Yeah, I can hear her. Like now that you mention it, I can mm-hmm. see her and hear her a little bit. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. She would sit at the front of the room behind the podium and read a chapter. It was sixth grade, right? I think so. That's starting to sound, I don't know. Maybe. I don't remember. I remember one one year we read The Little Prince, and I don't think we read The Little Prince with her. I read The Little Prince in school with you guys, I, I thought. Oh, it was in that fifth grade classroom, yeah. Maybe it was seven. That sounds more familiar to me. I don't know. All the years mashed together. At some point, yes, they do. And then you have the same teachers for like several years. I can remember sixth grade pretty distinctly, and I can remember eighth grade pretty well, but seventh, I don't remember very much of anything happening in seventh grade. That was when we got our first lockers. Oh, yeah. That's when we got to play like more competitive sports. I just remember I was really nervous about having a locker and not making it to class on time i remember being very nervous about that too i yeah i remember having anxiety about having a locker and like being late for class which every semester i like (laughs) ended up getting the four tardies that you were allotted before you got a detention never like ever happened to me so i never ever had a detention Mm. rachel and i did I did. I can remember sitting at Country Kitchen after like a basketball game, some kind of sport game. I'm guessing basketball because I was probably cheering. And I was with my sister and my parents. And my sister had already told my parents, but I didn't know that yet. And so I was like working up the courage to tell them. And when I finally did it, my sister like dies laughing and they laugh. Like, we already know. But I was so scared. And they're like, it's fine. They knew it was like a crummy reason to give it attention. So it was nonsense. I, I remember immediately like complaining to my parents about it. Yeah, you weren't even worried about getting in trouble. You were just like this dumbness. Yeah. You know what's also hilarious? I literally kept the detention slip for my scrapbook. <laughs> I still have it somewhere. <laughs> Memories. Yeah, I was like, this is my one and only detention. I have to save it. <laughs> I also only got fined once. Oh my gosh. I had so many fines. So many. And it was so dumb too because I had my socks in my coat pocket and I was late to school and I got, because I think I had like an orthodontist appointment or something before school maybe. I don't remember, but we were like leaving to go to church. So I got there, put my stuff in my locker and immediately like turned around to like walk across the street to church and Dr. Register said, Where's your socks, Victoria? And I said, right here in my hand, Dr. Rister. And he goes, I'm going to have to give you a detention. And I'm like, I can put them on literally right now. Oh, a fine, right? No, like, not a, a fine. Detention. Oh, yeah, a fine. Sorry, a fine. And I was, are you serious? And he's he was very serious because I got one. I was so mad. Dr. Rister didn't play around. I was dead set on graduating with no detentions and no fines. And... He did not want that. I didn't have very many clothing, like dress code fines. And those were $4. Clothing fines were $4. And candy and gum fines were $2. I had a lot of candy and gum fines. I had more dress code fines. I think a lot of not tucking in my shirt. You wore a lot of hoodies. I would, yeah, I would wear a lot of hoodies and I would try to get away with not wearing a belt. That, yeah. Um, because it would cover it. If you guys can't tell if this makes it into the podcast episode, 
we went to a Catholic high school where <laughs> we had a dress code. We had to wear belts, pants with belts. We had to wear socks with our shoes. Above the ankle, like visible socks. Unless you were wearing like ballet flats, girls could wear a type of no-show sock, but you still had to kind of see the no-show sock and you had to tuck in your shirt and you couldn't wear anything graphic on your shirt unless it was a school t-shirt. Or it was four by four in the corner. Four inches by four inches, smaller than that, like logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or like a pattern or a school spirit t-shirt, sweatshirt, whatever. And obviously no legging sweat or sweatpants. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. Unless it was stress down day. (laughs) Girls couldn't show any chest. (laughs) We had to wear all the tank tops, camis under our t-shirts. I remember getting called into the office one day. For to get my skirt measured. Oh yeah. Yeah. With yeah. Courtney. And she got fine and I didn't. I was like right on. And I was like that skirt was pulled, I swear, halfway down my butt. And well, the crazy thing is, like, I passed, but the the way that they did it was it was your finger, it was like your fingers. And so that fell differently on a lot of different people. And so I could get away with yeah. a very short skirt where other people had to wear like a really long skirt. Yes. So it didn't really make any sense how they measured that. Yep. All right, let's get back on track. Yes. What were we talking about? The bad beginning. What do you guys think the main message of the book is? Like, why do you think the author wrote it? What do you think? Is there any meaning behind it? Is it all just supposed to be fun and quirky? Or did he have like some kind of message in mind? Well, I think something that stands out a lot in the book is the vocabulary. Like, I feel like it's definitely to teach kids. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Some some vocab words. I don't know. That stood out to me a lot. Yeah. And his use of alliterations, like all of the books are, like the titles of the books are alliterations. Bad Beginning. Briny Beach. Yeah. The Briny Beach is actually a no- nod to Alice in Wonderland. Is it? Really? The his all of his books have literary references in all of them. Yeah, well most Mr. Poe's children's names are Edgar and Albert Poe, which I thought was funny. Yeah, Olaf is some some something from a French poet. Baudelaire is a French poet. Lemony Snicket is a a play on Jiminy Cricket. Um oh. Beatrice is is something with like poetry, I think. Uh, I, yeah, all like the Briny Beach was something is where the walrus and the carpenter song takes place from Alice in Wonderland. I was reading that was the stuff that I was reading about when I looked him up, which I thought was super cool. I love I love little hidden gems like that in a book that aren't. I mean, obviously, some of them are more obvious, like. Poe and mm-hmm. Baudelaire, but other ones are a little more. You have to know more yeah, about. Them. Feels like a little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. I don't know if he has like a certain meaning behind the book necessarily, especially after reading an interview by him. He basically just said in in the interview that tragedy or um bad stuff the problems all of that make a book more interesting and give it a place to go versus just happy 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 i'm trying to look up 
in the interview with NPR, he said, um, when I'm confronted with a blank page and I want to think of something happening, it just tends to be something terrible, which I guess has a long tradition in literature. I mean, I'm always at a loss to think of a book in which only happy things happen, maybe Happy All the Time by Laurie Colwyn. But most books, it seems to me, have at least a threat of something dastardly happen so that it just seems entirely natural to me that if you want a plot to be interesting, then terrible things have to be on the horizon. Yeah, that's why like every Disney movie, you have parents that die or like something tragic happens because that's kind of what propels the story. I mean, I do think that there's some aspect in the book of children getting let down by the system. Yeah, I feel I. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but that's just kind of the vibe I got of like Mr. Poe almost being, you know, like the social worker or other adult who could be helpful, even the neighbor, the the judge. Yeah, just a stress. Someone that you feel like would have a lot of influence and power to help them in a situation, kind of completely ignoring them living in an abusive home for a short period of time even when they went to seek help they were told like he's allowed to parent you how he wants to parent you and not really taking them seriously uh which i mean as the books go on that's kind of pose mr pose whole characters he's kind of dunce yeah a little bit flighty and clueless i feel like all the adults are yeah it's just a common theme in the book. yeah it's clueless. But that that was something that I definitely took away from reading the book this time around as an adult. Did you, for a children's book, did you guys enjoy reading it? No. <laughs> I really, I didn't hate it. That's how I feel. I didn't hate it. But I didn't love it. See, I thought it wasn't, it's written in a way which touches on the point you brought up with the the vocabulary words or or the more you know mature language and the quirkiness of it I thought made it read a little bit more fun for an adult reading it it wasn't boring no I don't think it was like boring it's just yeah I don't know for a book written for 10 year olds I think it was was a decent read to read Mm -hmm. as an adult still yeah, but comparing it to like Holes and The Giver and... Oh, see, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it more than Holes. Oh, I didn't. I think it has more of like the fantastical fantasy aspect, which I enjoy. My husband and I were debating on what genre of book this series would have been because I thought like, would it be fantasy? And then we looked it up and it was like that dark humor was mm-hmm. kind of the main main consensus. But it definitely has fantastical elements to it. In the second book, I mean, the guy owns, he has like a huge reptile house. Oh, yeah. Like all of them do. And just the descriptions of buildings and... Would it be like magical realism, maybe? I don't know. Well, that's why I said kind of fantastical. Yeah. You know, it's not really fantasy, but it's not really real world. Yeah, I can't. I I like can't get past Sunny and her teeth. I can't get past. Oh, I think that's funny. I think some of them are cute, and then I remember like reading him. Like as it goes on, it gets more and more ridiculous. (laughs) I I don't know. I remember reading it as a kid and being like, I can't get past this. 
I just but. thought it was it was funny because that's what babies actually do. When Sunny says Gak and the narrator says she means that to say Yes, please take me out to the garden. That sounds more pleasant than this. I did like that that aspect of it. I was going to say, he also does a really good job of very descriptive writing, which allows you to really picture for, you know what I mean? It's not, he walks up the steps. He walks up the creaky, crooked steps that where you have to avoid sharp edges so you don't get a splinter. I don't know. He just takes it kind of one step further. I enjoy that. That you could really visualize the characters, him describing the characters, like what they were wearing or what their features were like. He was really descriptive of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like that too, because I do. I tend to have trouble like visualizing a lot of <laughs> things. It's not my strength. And so this one I felt had very like vivid imagery in it. I remember when I was younger also thinking that it was just a longer book. Like there was more to it. And I think that had a lot to do with how descriptive it was. Yeah, probably. Oh, there was a quote I wrote down. I wanted to read. So the Baudelaire orphans were kind of, they kind of see what's going on and they are really missing their parents. Klaus says, if they were here, Klaus said his voice rising as he got more and more upset, we would not be here with Count Olaf in the first place. I hate it here in our room. I hate having all these chores and I hate Count Olaf. I hate it too, Violet said, and Klaus looked at his older sister with relief. Sometimes just saying that you hate something and having someone agree with you can make you feel better about a terrible situation. And I think about how true that is for so many things. It's just like, I hate just someone, like a good friend listening to you say, like hear that and say like, I hate that too, can be really comforting. And I think that's kind of what I took away from the whole book as a whole this time was like, even through really awful, terrible circumstances, these three siblings and their capability, each other can kind of overcome to some degree their yeah circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always stick together. I think he did a really good job of making the book relatable for little kids, having them just say things like, I hate doing the chores and I hate doing this or you know um I ma- I made a note about I I think the the narrator said something about unless you are very lucky we all experience in- events in our lives that make us sad and something about them all cry- feel better after crying a little bit and so yeah I think he does do a good job of putting details in the book that kids can really relate to understanding and feeling yeah i had another little snippet from that interview that i really liked um which ties back to when i was talking about all of the literary references in the book the interview jokes and references for adults or teenage readers that 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 they would understand and, and get when they read the book and he said i liked or they're pretty much surrounded by the world of books I liked the idea of a universe that was governed entirely by books and the solutions or libraries in each volume. And so there are some sort of some heavy handed or I hope mock heavy handed propaganda saying that all of life's life's difficulties can be solved within the pages of the right book. So between Mm -hmm. the books 
being kind of their solutions, as well as being surrounded by all of the other literary terms and names. I thought that was very interesting. Yes. Did you guys watch the movie, the 2000? It was horrible. (laughs) It was the first three Mm -hmm. books mashed up together in all the wrong order. And yeah, it seemed it didn't have great flow. Mm -mm. We have a DVD of it. And I know I saw it like when in the movie theater with my dad because of the books. Mm -hmm. So I guess that um, Daniel Handler wrote eight drafts of the script for that movie and then um and then he got fired (laughs) maybe it would have been better if they would have let him write the script i think that more movie adaptations or tv show adaptations of books should have the authors more involved and the fans because if it gets made into a book obviously has i mean if if the book gets turned into a it obviously has a big enough fan base to warrant doing so and the fans know what they want in the show that they're going to be watching or movie they're going to be watching. So why aren't they on a survey or so many people to kind of bounce ideas off of? Did you watch the Netflix series? Mm-mm. I think I, I started it. And for some reason, I stopped like 10 minutes in. And so I was like Neil Patrick Harris. I love Neil Patrick Harris, but I don't know. I couldn't, couldn't get into it. Um, I just, I didn't give it a fair shot. I will say I really honestly, maybe 10 minutes in. Did you guys watch it? I watched a couple episodes. How'd you feel about it then? Um, I, well, I didn't really love either of them. And I, I wish I could like, stop myself from watching the movie and the series because I think I would enjoy rereading the books more without the being a series like visual visualizations like in my head like I liked mine better yeah I agree I still have my own I only watched the movie one time and I thought it was so bad so I don't really remember it the problem is there were such big actors in it that it's hard to forget, you yeah. know, like Jim, Jim, Carrey. Jim Carrey and Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Meryl Streep was the aunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, like, scrubbed my brain up much. I was like, nope. Flashes, I would see, you know, the movie actors, and then I would, I was like, no. And so I could kind of forget it. And so I think that's where, like, his very you know descriptive writing came into play where it was easier for me to forget about the movie characters and I could kind of focus in on what I had imagined yeah yeah Farron do you have pop quiz for us I do I think you guys are gonna hate it are you ready ready okay yes you have to ding I must call on you okay ready what is it when two or more words start with the same letter or sounds? Ding. Ding. Victoria. Alliteration. Yes. Good job. Number two. Italian potatoes, olive oil, olives, anchovies, chili peppers, capers, and garlic Ding. for the sauce. Ding. Oh, oh Rachel. Ding. Felt like a tie. I don't know. It was me. Putinesca. Pasta. Yes. Putinesca. 
spaghetti a la puttanesca. I seriously was like, I'm making this. Delicious. Capers are so good. They like elevate <laughs> a meal. And then anchovies really have a lot enjoyed, of flavor. I know. I I remember when I was reading that part of the book. I liked that he described each of the ingredients. Like the person reading wouldn't know what those things are. Yeah. Garlic. Even something as simple as garlic. He mm-hmm. described what garlic yeah. was. I thought that was really cool. My dad really like he would pick a word from each book and just start using it randomly in conversation all the time. So from book <laughs> one, it, it was Pudinesca. What a dad move. He would I <laughs> it got to the point where I remember like, Dad, that's enough. <laughs> That's not even a word you could really just randomly drop into a conversation. Oh, he made it work. He made it work. (laughs) Okay, number three. What type of knot does Violet use to tie the strips of cloth together? Ding. Ooh, ding. Victoria. (laughs) The devil's knot. Oh, yeah. No. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that is right. I think I put devil's tongue. What's the score? Okay, I think it's 2-1. Victoria? Yeah, Victoria. Okay. Okay, here's where you got to step it up. You're going down with your... Number four. What does the word insipid mean? Ding. (laughs) Victoria? Like not knowing? Clueless? Yes? No? No. Rachel, do you... Yes, Rachel. Don't Google it. Rachel's Googling. Rachel's a cheater. Lacking vigor or interest. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, no, that's cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. (laughs) I was on the, like, general direction. You were were close. Close is not correct. Close is also not correct. Googling the answer is cheating. That's an automatic (laughs) Using Using my resources, I think Violet. (laughs) Klaus and Sunny would agree with me. Maybe they would. No. All right, here's here's the hardest question, I think. What does the word aberrant mean? Ding. Rachel. Isn't it abhorrent? Mm. I'm going to Google this. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> How do you spell it? A-B-E-R-R-A-N-T. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of a different word. I was going to say that is a different word. This was like one of the words I was like, I don't even know what this word is. I don't remember. You give up. Give up. Departing from an accepted standard. So their behavior was aberrant. So different than what it usually is. Hmm. Yeah. Well, now we learned a new word again. This was my word that I was... I was like, I'm gonna learn this word. Was that was that all? Was that five? Oh, that was five, yeah. Victoria wins. Victoria wins. Congratulations. Whoop whoop ding ding. Woo woo wee woo. (laughs) I'm really good at sound effects. Karen. Every time. (laughs) Why am I always the one in the bloopers? It's like, oh stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, the spice it up, guys. So we end each episode with something. We are loving. Victoria, tell me about what you're loving this month. A couple of days ago, I bought these <laughs> peanut butter cup flavored peanut uh, 
by Pears Snacks. They taste like Reese's Puff cereal, but they're peanuts instead, and they are delicious. And they are at Sam's Club. What I am loving is this Ella Ola baby face cream for eczema because my baby has some eczema and I've done everything. This Ella Ola baby face cream, highly recommend for baby eczema. It is, it works so well. What about you, Rachel? What are you loving? All right. Well, I am actually loving a fantasy book. I'm reading the first Mistborn, like, I don't understand how all of the books fit together and what series they're a part of, but I'm reading a book called Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson, which is part of a series. Anyway, lots of people recommend it. They say it's great. And it really is. Like, I find myself wanting to keep reading it all day. (laughs) I'm so happy you're liking it. That's how fantasy gets you. Fantasy really, it's a lot harder to step away from sometimes. It is. Yeah. And I'm like trying to read it during the day with my kids. Like we were outside the other day when it was really nice out and my son was scootering around and he was needing some help. And I was like having to pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. And that was really hard. And usually I'm okay doing that. But with this book, with this, like, I don't know, it was just some intense action. I was like, I don't want to stop reading. (laughs) it really ruins the moment sometimes maybe when you start the second book the well of ascension i'll read it with you you should yeah because i want to pick back up gonna be a while (laughs) that's okay but i'll get there take your time (laughs) thank you for joining us for this episode on the bad beginning by lemony snicket the next book we are reading we've decided to branch out a smidge we're gonna do the anthropocene reviewed by john green So it's kind of still a lit class-ish book, maybe for a more modern day classroom, but not a, quote, classic lit literature book. So we're excited. Well, Rachel and Victoria are more excited (laughs) to read it. Very skeptical. Baron's a little skeptical about it. We shall see. That just makes for better content. And just a reminder to find us on Instagram and TikTok. Follow us. Be looking for a giveaway here soon. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) Karen is still talking about her nose. Putinesca sauce. Pasta putinesca. Putinesca. They can eat each other to survive and their eggs can live for like a ridiculous amount of time dormant and then they can hatch. Victoria knows a lot about these. They hatch by vibration. Which reminds me to not get a pet. Fix your hair, Farron. What is it doing? Computer-generated velociraptors. You want to read essays about that? <laughs>